first lesson today is Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9 and 43. Psalm 107 appears in the Old Testament and begins on page 559 of your pew Bible. Thanksgiving for the deliverance from many troubles. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those that he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted with them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works for humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. Let those who are wise give heed to these things, and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson this morning is the familiar parable of the rich fool, found only in Luke 12, 13 through 21. Now hear the parable. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The word of the Lord. As many of you know, I just returned from a very enlightening 
yet somewhat intense seminar held at the Presbyterian Retreat Center in Ghost Ranch. Ghost Ranch is in the beautiful high desert country of New Mexico. This week-long program entitled Discerning the Signs of the Times was coordinated by Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church's own Barbara Howe. One of the topics explored, economics and theology, echoed the themes and warnings in today's Gospel text. We learned about the life-threatening nature of greed, especially as it relates to our exploitation of the Earth's natural resources and discussions on the plight of immigrant workers helped us see that, like the rich fool in today's story, when society becomes singularly focused on maintaining what we have, we embrace a sort of myth of self-sufficiency, making us blind to our dependency on the toil of those who have so very little. On the first day of the seminar, Union Theological Seminary's president, Serene Jones, posed a question asked by economist Joseph Stiglitz in his book, The Price of Inequality. A question that gave us all food for thought and set the tone for the rest of the week. Stiglitz, who is a Nobel laureate in economics, asked, Through our greed, are we creating a world in which even the wealthy will not want to live? While we may be confused and powerless in the face of all the economic dynamics swirling around in our modern world, the story of the rich fool brings greed down to an individual level. All of us can understand and perhaps even somewhat identify with the rich fool in today's story. In this story, we learn of greed and its consequences simply by eavesdropping on one man's inner conversation. By first understanding how greed affects us individually, then we can better understand the global consequences of greed that Stiglitz and others warn us about. But in order to really understand, we must examine our innermost thoughts. In our conversations with ourselves, our personal soliloquies, unedited for public consumption or political correctness, reveal our true nature. In this parable, it is the rich man's inner conversation that prompts God to call him a fool. Note that the protagonist in the story is not a fool because he is rich. 
There is no indication that his wealth was ill-begotten or that he did not work hard to achieve the fruits of his labor. We all know people whose wealth is matched by their generosity, who use their abundance to help them live faithful, godlike lives. In God's eyes, all are equal, the rich and poor alike. All socioeconomic groups are loved equally by God. Nor is this parable a condemnation of saving for a rainy day or for our retirement. Prudent savings to ensure future survival for ourselves and our community was considered in biblical times, as it is today, a wise and faithful thing to do. No, the rich man's inner thoughts were foolish because they were idolatrous and self-centered. In his plans and schemes, he placed his possessions at the very center of his life, believing that they alone could give him security and happiness and longevity. God calls the rich man a fool, not because he is rich, but because of misplaced priorities and skewed perceptions. The rich man's greed was distracting him from God. The parable speaks to us because our culture reinforces the false notion that the good life is associated with the things we possess. Advertisers use state-of-the-art psychology in their attempt to script our inner conversations and blur the lines between our needs and desires. Market forces play into our self-centeredness in such a way that possessions can easily become our golden calf, the focus of our attention and our desire. Just think how marketers attempt to manipulate us into believing that a particular motor vehicle will bring excitement and adventure to our boring lives. Rather than making mundane runs to the grocery store, we will spend our weekends frolicking along dirt roads, which other people with ordinary vehicles never dare explore. If we are single, we are led to believe that an attractive person will waltz into our lives if we just buy the right clothes, shoes, glasses, or use a whitening toothpaste. As we age, we are assured that the right investment funds will bring happiness, health, and security. This even in the face of what happened in 2008. Yet society urges us to accumulate more and more, to build bigger barns, all in our attempt to fill up 
the empty places in our lives. Yet if you have lived for a little while, you know the truism in the old Beatles song, Money Can't Buy Me Love. We all have read the headlines about celebrities and sports stars who, like the rich fool, having bought into society's false dreams, find their lives meaningless in spite of the possessions they have accumulated or the fame they have attained. Many to escape the spiritual poverty of abundance turn to substance abuse, some of their lives in tragically. As one biblical scholar puts it, the parable urges us as individuals and as a society to think carefully about what we want and why we want it. When protecting privilege and wealth, either corporately or individually, becomes the central driver in our lives. Everything else will be blocked out. Maybe even God. Reinhold Niebuhr, the esteemed 20th century theologian, wrote that our tendency to distort reality for our own purposes makes it's difficult to discern the times honestly. In the parable, the rich man's vision was distorted because he was totally self-focused. Did you notice that in his three short sentence soliloquy, the rich man uses the first person pronoun or its possessive 11 times. I have, I will, my barns, my grains, my goods, my soul. By contrast, we, not I, is the operative pronoun in all the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. We bear each other's burdens. We are a community of faith. We worship our God. And because of our interconnectedness in all these major world religions, Giving to the poor is the central element for a sanctified or holy life. The rich man's conversation with himself reveals that either he did not see or he just did not regard those around him, those who were harvesting his crops those who were building his barns. Having distanced himself from other people, the rich fool separated himself from God. 
as one commentator says, the thought of what he might be able to do for those in need never enters the rich fool's mind. His innermost thoughts reveal that he has no sense of responsibility to use his abundance for the welfare of others. Greed has eaten away all compassion he might have had. In our inner conversations, what pronouns do we use? Are we focused more on ourselves than on others? As a society, are we so preoccupied with maintaining our wealth and status that we, like the rich fool, are blinded to the suffering of others? When we buy our groceries, do we think about the plight of the farm workers who harvested our food? When we demand cheaper energy, do we calculate what the environmental costs may be? In conversations about the cost of the Affordable Health Care Act, do we consider those who have no health insurance at all, those with preconditions, the working poor? The foolish man believes that his success means that he does not need others and others do not need him. He does not see that we are all connected with each other and to the earth on which we live. The heady intoxication of his success makes him forget that every earthly thing must come to an end. Yet God requires that we think about the world that will remain when we are gone and what will happen to the things and people we leave behind. Finally, God reveals the man's foolish thoughts and gives him a foreclosure notice. This very night, your life will be demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The earlier words of Jesus in Luke resonate through the story's conclusion. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world and lose themselves? As this summer winds down, take the time to examine the conversations you have with yourself when you contemplate how to use the gifts that God has given you. Identify those things that give real meaning to your life and think about how you can, in your own small way, help create a world in which everyone wants to live. Then you will know what it means to be rich toward God.
Amen.